It's too short to be an album. It's too long to be an EP. They count it an album. They count it as an album. Which is weird because I don't. Anyways, well. uh, Sex and Arrows, 2007, and then was was it Clockwork Angels in 2012. Yes, it was. Uh, All right. Pretty I cannot good. fucking believe you know every single Rush album. Welcome to episode five of Stuck in the Middle with You, a podcast where two guys take a look at a critically divisive film and see on what side of the consensus they fall on. My name is Derek Gaudet. My co-host, I was going to find another qualifier for you, but my co-host is Juan Barkin. Say hi. Hi. <laughs> and uh, I, I picked a dud this week, I think. You kind of did. I'm not going to yeah, lie. Man. But I picked a dud a couple weeks back, so it's okay. Uh, the dud in question is 1969's The Computer Ward Tennis Shoes, directed by Robert Butler. If you've never heard of this movie, it's because it's a 60s Disney movie that nobody should probably hear about because it's not particularly exciting. Well, it's not that it's not exciting. It's it's very much a family film from the 1960s live-action Disney camp, meaning that it's the narrative is really, really thin, and it's really meant to be like wholesome entertainment. There, there's not a whole lot of smuggling going on. There's not a whole lot of interesting direction going on. But we're getting a bit ahead of ourselves. What in the hell is this movie about? It's about being programmed for laughs, as the tagline <laughs> so boldly claims. Um, <laughs> it's about imagination. Programmed I don't know, like for it's, revenge. God. It would have been a ten times better movie if, uh, after Kurt Russell got the shock, that where whereby he gets sort of infused with the computer's knowledge, it turns him into like sort of a vicious revenge bot. That would be magnificent. Also, I feel like we should like preface this with some kind of plot um so a college is really really or is it a college or is it high school it's a college okay that's what i thought but they all look like they're in high school so i was kind of like did i mistake this like no no, kurt russell was 18 when this was shot so no this is what college students looked like in 1969 i think they all look like fucking babies it's terrible (laughs) um okay so anyway a college really wants a computer they get it from this dude who runs an illegal gambling ring and basically kurt russell's mind fuses with the computer and after like a freak electrical accident like an electrical storm which has like like it's it's one of the most entertaining moments because it's just (laughs) like kurt russell acting like i'm getting Uh, shot uh, electricity is coursing through my body take a look at my (laughs) look at like my feet that are glowing blue Yes, exactly. <laughs> yeah, that's beautiful. a basic. That's a basic gist of the film. Professor, a, a nerdy professor wants a computer because it's the way of the future, and the traditionalists running the school are like balls to that. We gotta save our money for other things because we're a poor school. Uh, not like those guys at state who get all the money. There's a there's sort of a through line here about the only way that you can actually compete is to be crooked. <laughs> More or less. And that's kind of interesting, in, uh, given the, the current state of the American education system. But they don't exploit that because it's a fucking Disney movie. I know. I don't, I don't blame it for not having gone in that direction. But it's a direction it could have gone into that would have been interesting. Especially so, because a lot of the movie has like things that you wouldn't typically find in a modern-day Disney movie. It makes me very curious to see... like Thing number one that you would not see in a Disney movie that's in this movie. Guns. Yes. There were There's actual weapons, multiple actual like, gunplay in this movie. It's shot yeah. like shit. It's not great. It's not great action photography, but there's a car chase and a gun. 
The entire third act, there's a like a third act car chase in the film, and it's it's, it's awfully the, shot. It's yeah, literally it's just worst, like it's one of the worst car chases I've ever seen. Yeah, it's just like close ups on all of these people in two different cars, and then occasionally like a shot of them on the street. Like you see like Herbie and stuff like that, and you like there's actual like cars and like chases and like things happening in Herbie. Kurt Russell's character's car, like the blue. Uh... It looked like a like dune buggy or something. It's a nice car, but he had a million notes hanging inside of it while driving. That is mm. the least safe thing in the universe. Also, the rain in the background of fakest that looking shot. Thing it's the fakest looking rain ever, and I genuinely thought he was going back to the future somehow. I don't. I mean, like... <laughs> sometimes, sometimes when you're doing like either rear projection or you're shooting like in a set, but the inside of a car, you try to give the illusion of movement. But there's no, there's nothing go, else going on in the frame to give the illusion of movement. There's no, not like other cars going by or people or anything. It's really poorly done, th- which basically leads to the big thing about this movie's quality is that it looks really cheap. It looks like a Roger Corman movie. It kind of does. And it would have been better as a Roger Corman movie. Let's be real, okay? Take take a moment to admit this. Most movies would be better <laughs> as Roger Corman movies. <laughs> we're, again, we're getting a bit ahead of ourselves. So, the, so okay, so they get the computer, um, and, but they get it be, because Cesar Romero, the bad guy in the film, usually donates money to the school because school is in need of money, but the dude is crooked. So he's the one who's running the illegal gambling operation, and foolishly, he donates one of his computers, which has all the information regarding uh, what places are being, uh, which rackets are being run where and for how much. and kurt russell goes off and gets a mcguffin there's a part that blows during uh, that blows up during uh, a way too long demonstration of the uh, superior power of computers yeah that was an extended gag sequence that could have been either cut or shrunk entirely and a lot of things in this movie could have been cut or shrunk this feels like a, a an episode of a Hardy Boys TV show. It should have okay, been half, I'm so glad you mentioned this feels long. like an episode of television because like so much of what I was thinking while watching it, and they even have the beats to like cut to commercial, yeah, yeah, yeah. purposely for television. And no, it definitely just, feels like TV. It feels yeah. like a miniseries retooled to because there's three uh, there's there's three movies in the uh, Dexter Riley trilogy, so I can't imagine how they couldn't have had like three sets of three episodes for each arc so they have the computer and it's a rainstorm kurt russell will say oh i got the part here oh the computer room is dark lights are busted there's water on the floor lightning strike oh my god electric shocks acting acting and he gets imbued with like infinite knowledge and if this were any other movie if this were a roger corman movie if this were any other kind of genre film kurt russell would have to sort of deal with knowing everything with the Lovecraftian mind horror that comes with infinite knowledge. But no, he just kind of shakes it off. He's then, super chill about it the entire is, movie. He is, he is disconcertingly chill about it. <laughs> <laughs> it makes no sense for him to just be like, well, I just finished this test in about four minutes. I'm super excited about it. I'm going to eat my sandwich now. And that's about it. Like, I want to That's say literally that his first reaction to being... Super, like, super mega super smart. smart. Yeah. <laughs> like, I want to say something specifically about that sandwich because I noticed something while I was while I was watching. The Foley work in this movie isn't great, but it's especially notable when 
Kurt Russell is eating his sandwich after he's done taking the test. Not just eating his sandwich. First, he leans back in his chair. Then he leans back forward when he gets in trouble for leaning back in his chair. He picks up his bag from the floor, puts it on his desk, opens the paper bag, pulls out a like thin, thinly wrapped sandwich, pulls out the sandwich, and bites into the sandwich. Every single one of these actions has the loudest accompanying sound effect in the universe. See, I don't mind that so much because the room is supposed to be quiet, and I figure they're playing with that for a gag. That's fine. But the it's thing that's too much. But the thing that struck me the most is the fact that his that his sandwich sounded like he was eating a fucking apple. It sounded like he was eating an apple or like potato chips or both mixed together. Yeah, I mean, it's like he was eating an apple and potato chip sandwich. That's yes. exactly what he was eating. Like the only thing I can think of is like, man, he had like a really thick piece of lettuce. In his sandwich, but like, yeah, it didn't look like a great sandwich. It was two slices of white bread with like one massive piece of lettuce inside. That's genuine. Like, it looks like the whitest sandwich. It didn't look like a great sandwich. And okay, so so they get the computer. He gets his uh, he gets uh, mind zapped with the information, and the, some of this information includes uh, Cesar Romero's like gambling information. Yeah, illicit businesses, and it gets triggered every time someone says. Applejack, because Applejack is the name of one of the horses. It's a, no, it's a, it's his it's his code name. No, I thought it was one of the horses too, though. Oh, it could be. I don't know. Who cares? I don't fucking remember. I like started losing interest <laughs> at a certain point. Okay, so he gets that for this information. So now, uh, Cesar Romero's cronies kidnap him. They basically talk in very graphic detail what they're going to do to him. They're going to kill this guy. They're going to kill Kurt Russell. Which is, yeah, another, because which is another thing that wouldn't happen in Disney the, movies now. Yeah, because he has all of the information that they need to keep like quiet. And Kurt Russell's dumbass friends and their dumbass plan involving <laughs> becoming house painters. No, no, no. Hold on. Hold on. So let's – let's okay. Oh, man. The entire way that these kids decide like, hey, we're going to stop these bad guys from killing our friend and like figure out you know how to get him back is – they dress up as painters. They all go to the house where he's being held. They start painting the house. And then they convince the bad guys that they were painters sent by a painting place to paint the house. And the people fall for it, per, like, completely. It's shocking how easily <laughs> they fall for it. I mean, I know it's a Disney movie, but, like, yeah, yeah, yeah. embarrassingly so. <laughs> like, every idea that anyone has in this movie, whether it's... The good guys or the bad guys is about on par with the ideas that people have in a lower tier episode of Scooby Doo. <laughs> that's it's about true. the level. That's about the level of ingenuity and awareness that we're dealing with here. It's true. It's absolutely true. And, and I mean, like, we should also add that um, they were kidnapped because uh, the reason that the 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 bad guys found out that he he knew their their like gambling and illegal activity information is because Kurt Russell is forced to go on a game show. It's a quiz bowl. It's an intercollegiate yeah, a quiz, quiz bowl, bowl for the school to win hundred grand. Money. And yeah, you know, he basically wipes the floor with everyone because of his supersonic megatronic brain. And yeah, he sort of spills the beans when the answer to one of the questions, unfortunately, is Applejack. And uh, oh, 
this is a dumb movie, dude. This is, <laughs> this is a, a stupid dumb movie. Fucking movie. So yeah, I want to talk about the special effects real quick. Yes, please feel free. <laughs> We've already touched upon Kurt Russell's glowing blue feet when he gets electrocuted. Mm-hmm. Uh, by the way, in electrocution, which he survives without anything, like no of burns, course. no nothing. Listen, but, he is the hero of our movie. He cannot be hurt. That's true. Um, Plus, but it's yeah. Kurt Russell. Plus, it is Kurt Russell. Uh, <laughs> soon, like you know, he he would become a certified badass in not too long. But uh, no, I want to talk about his doctor's visit. Oh my god, his doctor's visit is probably my favorite scene in the entire it's, movie. It's really good because it makes absolutely no visual sense. But it's like I admire the uh, I admire the artistry. <laughs> let's put it that way. <laughs> Uh, so As yeah, do go, I. <laughs> so yeah, so so clearly he feels that something's up. He just got several hundred thousand volts of electricity through the body, through the heart. So yeah, a doctor's visit I think is in order. So he, uh, the doctor looks into his eye. Well, the, no, the, it wasn't oh, his decision to go to the doctor though. Right, it was someone else's. It was, it was because uh, he he magically passed the test with the perfect hundred in under four minutes. Right, right, and right. No human being had ever finished the exam before. So yeah, clearly the. The physician is the place to go, yeah. not like uh, – anyway, so he not goes to the physician. Exorcist. Yeah, yeah. Not, <laughs> oh, man. What if he did? What if this were an exorcism movie? And there was um, some kind what of – What if this movie were a lot of different things? Let's be real. Like, What if, what if, what if uh, a, like a techno demon entered uh, Kurt Russell? That sounds brilliant. I cannot like <laughs> emphasize how excited I would be to watch that movie. There's got to be like a, a cheesy 80s horror movie where someone exercises a computer. We'll find it, and if it doesn't exist, we'll make it someday. Sounds pretty cool. So I'm anyway, not yeah. Even kidding. <laughs> so the physician looks into the eye, and he just sees like a series of like blinking lights. Like it looks like a switchboard, and mm-hmm. he, he does like a brain scan, and then it's like this super avant-garde superposition of images of like computer stuff and like women in cars. Not just computer stuff; it's also gambling and shit. Also gambling, also gambling stuff. So that's like, that's yeah, that's probably the best part of the movie. That's just like a great image. It's magnificent, honestly. I loved it so much. It's so interestingly presented. Really, yeah, like I said before, it's kind of a nostalgia piece for like this imagined collective, say, 1950s, where people were like, you know, rah rah school spirit, Letterman jacket, imagined collective collegiate experience, and it's, it's Disney. It's Disney, exactly, and That's he's got thing, like, and he's got like his 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 posse. There's like the token girl. There's the token black dude. Everyone's a dumb shit except for him. I was actually like kind of really surprised that there were like like not only like one black dude but one Asian dude, and neither one of them were like stereotypes. They weren't stereotypes kind of because they had like, like it's kind of a shock for Disney though. But while that is cool, I mean, between them they had what like six or seven lines of dialogue tops that's that's being generous probably five um (laughs) and the young lady who plays the i guess love interest in quotation marks doesn't have doesn't have like a a, an independent thing to say she basically just comments on what's going on and asks questions more or less yeah she's She's like that the one time she has something like vaguely like independent to say is like when she sees him with all those girls around and she's like what the fuck is this motherfucker think he's doing well, she doesn't say that, but yeah, it's a sentiment. More or less. This is a family <laughs> film. Um, I know. It's oh, G. It's fucking G. Oh, on top of this, okay, we already mentioned the, the fact that there are, like, guns in a G-rated Disney movie. But there's a Playboy mention, That's which right. is probably my favorite thing in the world. Yeah, my favorite thing in the movie is, like, towards the end of the film, and I think Juan will agree with me, where they show three uh, paintings by Marcel Duchamp. Mm-hmm. 
And one of them is his famous new descending a staircase. And one of the one of the kids goes, <laughs> New descending a staircase. I don't see Playboy publishing this anytime soon. And it's like, oh shit. I know. It Playboy was beautiful. in my Disney movie? It was, movie? It was so so playful. It was it, such a nice joke that and just like goes to show what at what like where Playboy was in the collective consciousness in the nineteen sixties where you could have a reference to it in a Disney film and be like, Oh, those those hep cats and their Playboy magazine and their jazz music. Youths. Youths, exactly. <laughs> God, this is so dated. <laughs> Like, now, this entire movie is one giant time capsule, which in itself contains another time capsule. To, to call it dated would be being very generous. Yeah, it really – like it's – and the thing is like you watch other films from this period and yes, they're dated, but they're not like, – but, you know, but you know what came out like – okay, this is 1969. The French New Wave has been going on for like 10 years. <laughs> <laughs> Bonnie and Clyde came out two years prior. Basically Jesus. knocking American cinema to, on its ass. And this That's astounding. And this feels like a fucking industrial film. It feels like, you know, it feels like hydrogen peroxide and you. <laughs> or some shit like that. You know? Hydrogen peroxide and you. I don't know. It's like, a, like an informational film. Like It feels out of the 50s more so than the 60s. Yeah, but it feels like a collective imagined 50s. That's basically what I was trying to get at earlier. Okay. That's, that makes sense to me. All right, I want I want to share with you sort of an alternate version of this movie. Oh, you mean like a much better version? I'm sure we've all met. Like, I feel like we should take this, like, dedicate this period to coming up with as many alternate versions that aren't as, I guess, PC. And I don't oh. mean computer PC. Oh Lord! Uh, <laughs> I hate myself. I will go to Miami and deflate your. That tires. was like the first joke I thought of while watching the movie. Oh man. <laughs> And not oh. to mention all the dated shit about computers, obviously. I mean, of course. I mean, the computer looks like it's straight out of the fucking Batcave, like. <laughs> Which is like, appropriate just... considering Cesar Romero, right? Yeah, exactly. But who is I'm wasted in this movie? I he know. Do a whole if you lot. have the Joker, you don't waste it on this. Okay, so yeah, here's my pitch for like an alternate version of this movie. All right, go. Um, okay, first of all, entirely in black and white. I know it's we're supposed to use the new technologies, but no, this movie in black and white. The staginess of it and the cheapness of it would look better in black and white. It, it would have it would have kind of a studio feel. Two, change the score, make something more sinister, not something is <laughs> not something that's super joyful, not something that punctuates every single move. I hate movies that punctuate every move with the score. They're in the bushes, hiding by the house. Do 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 do. No, 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 no. <laughs> Screw that. So two, make your score more sinister. And three, like I mentioned before, make Kurt Russell super tormented because he has now acquired knowledge of the infinite. He has seen past the end of the universe and has gone through the wormhole and he can't cope anymore. You know, beef up the supporting parts. Yeah, I mean, that's that's my idea. And get Roger Corman on board. That's my ideal movie. And that's my ideal version of this. It's like, a, it's like basically like a sort of a version of uh, the man with the x-ray eyes, but with Kurt Russell instead. See, I can get behind that. Like, I just, I want, like, a weird fucking intense B-movie out of this instead of just I want some kind, I want family-friendly 50s movie. Yeah, I want, I want some, like, some technophobic proselytizing. I want some, I want Kurt Russell capital A acting. I want, like, yells. I want big nose. I want, I want the whole nine. 
you know what would have been cool? A Ken Russell version of this movie. It's kind of similar to my imagined Roger Corman version of it. It's true, but like I'm going by like Russell, like Russell Russell. I feel like a Ken. There's nothing Ken really. Kurt. There's nothing really <laughs> too eroticized in this movie. I mean, everything That's is true. like really cold and sort of clinical. And no, this isn't like we don't want to turn this into a David Cronenberg joint either. We want to sort of stay. I kind of do want to turn it into a David Cronenberg joint solely for like the fact that in the third act, Kurt Russell is essentially having this like. Just slowly, slowly losing every single bit of computer information. Yeah, let me set let me set mind. this up though. Let me set this up. So during the <laughs> during the sort of rescue from the 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 house that the the posse is painting, uh, the bad guys lock Kurt Russell up in a trunk, and so they get the Kurt Russell's posse gets the trunk with him inside and sort of drop it off of a roof, and somehow Kurt Russell doesn't break his neck and die. He just starts losing. His super super computer smarts, a la uh, Hal in two thousand one, A Space Odyssey. Yeah, and he also and, has to walk around with like like he has to walk in this weird kind of like <laughs> like duck walk. He's like squat, like he it's like he's squatting, but like permanently he's, squatted. He's like a dog scratching his ass. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> so they get they get him to the studio where they're playing in the finals against State for the hundred thousand dollar prize, and he still has some of his smarts, but his Delivery becomes slower, and they stretch this out for like ten minutes. A full one ninth of this film is Kurt Russell speaking really, really slowly. I, I want to speculate on when this film was made because now I'm actually curious, like. What if they were deliberately – no, no, no. But like when was it shot? Because I'm after, wondering now, like were they was, deliberately like referencing 2001 A Space Odyssey? I think they might have been because this is a cheapo Disney movie. Turnaround was pretty quick. And this was yeah. released in late 1969 and uh, 2001 A Space Odyssey was released in 1968. So it wouldn't surprise me if it were. See, and now thinking of it that way, I'm suddenly like all the more fascinated by their decision to do it. <laughs> and I kind of love it all the more for it. It's but it's like it's a cool idea, but they go back to the well for like ten minutes, and it's fucking infuriating. It's, it's so true. annoying. I mean, it's not that it's not that like two thousand one didn't do it forever and a half, but like no, but two thousand it's but just th- grading here. <laughs> two thousand one, there was like tension in that scene. It was. It was. It was. It was marvelous. It was. It was life and death. It was man versus technology. It was all sorts of things at once, and it looked beautiful. And, and now this is it's just, just this, Kurt this is just Kurt Russell's face, like contorting. sort of contorting, exactly. Yeah. <laughs> but yeah, it's um, it's a movie. It's definitely a movie. <laughs> I'm just gonna run. I'm just gonna run through my my uh, sort of stray notes here. Okay, uh, go ahead. There's a weird fear of progress in this whole movie, like reticence about the computer, and then the sort of recurring gag at the end where it's another reticence about another piece of technology. Yeah. And. Uh, I like that they that the the kids like the posse use radios to spy on them because already in the late sixties like kids are hip to it and adults aren't. It's true. I Something thought that was like, a touch. Yeah, and I mean it kind of like to a certain extent it very much sticks with the whole like up and comers being able to like solve most of the problems in this world like with like imagination and not (laughs) with technology and like 
like just in the way that these kids sort of maneuver every single situation that's thrown their way without the need of like no adults. they just have they just have <laughs> fucking access to automobiles and painting equipment they have access to everything. electronic equipment is like these kids have some kind of repository i want to meet their i just want to meet their pusher i want to meet their guy who like supplies them with trucks and paint and all sorts of <laughs> i want to meet their queue who's the queue to these kids who is the queue to these kids I feel like it's that one guy who really wanted a computer. I think that's like I the feel like he dude? put yes, I feel like that professor put everything into motion. This is like the shittiest James Bond film ever. <laughs> Where like Kurt Russell plays young James Bond, <laughs> Professor Quigley is Q, ah Q Quigley and Oh my god. <laughs> and the dean is like the shittiest M imaginable. The shittiest M imaginable is about and, right. And yeah, well, James Bond doesn't really have a posse. He has like, let's say that like the posse is like the are the other like double O's or the other agents working. And yeah, yeah, this is basically you know a computer is not enough, or diamond encrusted computers are forever, some shit like that. Diamond encrusted computers are forever. You did not. Yo, I'm, you can think of a better one. <sighs> let me think. Live and let ram. Oh my god, I want to kill myself. <laughs> um. Hang on, give me a second. Now I now I I genuinely want to come up with like a good one. On Her Majesty's uh, Secret Server. No. Yeah! <laughs> oh my God, I'm gonna kill myself. That's good, right? On Her Majesty's Secret Server, you that piece is pro- of shit. I don't make puns often, but when I do, that's good. the best. That's the best one. I'll give you that one. That's 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 truly the best one. Live and let ram. No, not good enough. Not good enough. Oh, Diamond man. encrusted computers. That was shit, Derek. That was shit. <laughs> like, and you you backed it up with like a great one, but like that was, I was shit. I was thinking. I was uh, yeah. I was just riffing, dude. I mean, they can't all be winners, right? Yes, they should all be winners. <laughs> man, I love how cheap the parade sequences where they clearly just took stock footage of a parade and then shot Kurt Russell in a stationary car waiting yes. outside. Yes. Yes, he literally just sits there while, like, shit falls on him, and he waves and smiles. Yeah, it's like a, like a ticker tape parade in, like, New York, and they just cut to footage of Kurt Russell going, like, waving outside the window of a car. There's no effort made to, like, sort of match the formats, because one of them is clearly, like, scratchy newsreel footage, and the other one is, like, you know, pristine 35. <laughs> I like that in this town, wherever it is, that the quiz bowl... Is like front page news. Yeah, I can understand how like the front page would have like super smart genius boy, like computer boy or whatever like that. That makes sense to me, but like the rest does not. (laughs) During uh, this is something that I don't know if you picked up on, but during the uh, the house painting scene, uh, during the house painting scene. They okay. They have the establishing shot of everyone work, and then they cut to like uh, a typically excruciating dialogue sequence where they just exchange information, mm-hmm. and then they cut back to the master shot just so we can see someone slide down the ladder, and then they cut to the next scene. <laughs> I actually totally didn't notice that. Like they only cut back to that, so like clearly the person who did that stunt was like, "Yo, you got to keep that in the in the movie." It's like I didn't risk my neck for for nothing. And no, I mean, it's a completely gratuitous sequence. It's in there for like two seconds, but it's there. I totally didn't notice that, and I kind of want to like go back and watch that. But I I think one of my other favorite (laughs) things about the painting shit is like the fact that they quite literally defeat the bad guys with paint. Yeah. More 
like like more than anything else they do like not just in the house you know they're fighting the bad guys with paint and like with all of the tools that come with paint but during the car chase scene they literally just shoot a fuck ton of like blood they, orange paint they just throw shit that's it they just they they win by throwing shit and <laughs> they, they throw- also win they also win because a car magically fucking appears in the other lane yeah, <laughs> out of sheer ca- convenience, and drives them, them to, off lane. Causes them to swerve, and uh, this movie is not great. It's charming in parts. <laughs> it's not great. At no, it's all. Got, it's got it's got its moments, and there's a there's some never say reboot again. There's some there's some what? <laughs> <laughs> never say reboot again. That's not bad. I like that. Never not... say reboot again. <laughs> all right hey, how it took you were you thinking about it all that time though <laughs> i'm not gonna lie I, I i figured it out like like just before you we started talking about the paint thing and i didn't <laughs> want to yell it out until it had like i had a moment <laughs> uh we should probably address that this movie was actually remade in the 1990s it was with kirk cameron uh. God so you know knows it, I don't want to watch that. So you know it was good. I'm sure. It was magnificent. You know who directed that, though? Who directed that? It's Peyton Reed. Peyton Reed? I totally yeah. know that name. <laughs> He's uh, Is he not the person who like replaced Edgar Wright on the Ant-Man movie? Listen. He is. We're not going to talk about but, Ant-Man. <laughs> but, he is, but he is the director of a perennial favorite, Bring It On. Oh, that's right. Shit. He is. I <laughs> forgot also, about that. I he also directed not. Down with Love, The Breakup, and The Not Very yes Good Yes Man. And The Not Very Good Yes Man with Jim Carrey. I don't dislike Yes Man. I dislike Yes Man. <laughs> so one, uh, Fresh or Rotten on the computer wore tennis shoes. I mean, technically a 50% is a rotten, so I'm just going to keep it with its 50% rotten score because I feel like I'm very comfortable with that rating. Yeah, it's pretty middle of the road. It's not great it's got it's it's got like it's cool goofy moments but it's not a great movie rotten rotten it is yeah so. it's just so it's it's not weird enough to be good and it's not it's it's not tight enough to be great either yeah it's and it's just not like sloppy but not charmingly sloppy it's just it feel it's a limp movie it's a it's barely a movie yeah had they had they shown me more of like kurt russell's like ascot tie that's all it in took, that right? one shot, <laughs> I would have probably given it a fresh, but they didn't, and I felt very betrayed by that <laughs> fact. Like, I'm genuinely so bitter about the fact that I didn't get to see more of it because it was really gorgeous, and I could tell, but whatever. I'll so, live somehow. So, two rottens. We agree. The streak. The streak begins again. I know. After, after last week's bump in the row. Yeah, after last week's kerfuffle. I know, but last week's was the best. <laughs> no, it wasn't. We've established whatever. this one. Uh huh. Yeah. Whatever. Okay. So anyway, what is what is? Let's move on to recommendations. recommendations. So I'll let you go ahead. Oh no, this and... was my pick. So you get first recommendation. Oh, do I? Yep. Um, I'm gonna I'm gonna go ahead. Like I I hadn't figured out exactly what I wanted yet, but I've just decided I'm gonna go with another Kurt Russell movie. And arguably my all-time favorite Quentin Tarantino movie. Ah, okay. I see where you're going. 
which is also about killer technology. <laughs> yeah, kind of. <laughs> it's more about well, no, killer. In this movie this is more killer. about killer. This is more about killer engineering yeah. than it is about killer technology. Yeah, whatever. Anyway, it's Death Proof. Yeah. I adored Death Proof with all my heart. I think everyone in that movie gives a great, like, very, very on the nose to be movie performance. It's it's fucking beautiful. Like, <laughs> that's the thing. Everything about that movie is so, so, so beautifully, beautifully done. And I naturally, the and naturally the car chases are fucking exceptional. <laughs> of course movie. they are. See, Holy that shit. is a magnificent. That is how car chase should be done instead of fucking the computer wore tennis shoes. So. So what's your recommendation now that I've like shown my love for Death Proof? I am going to recommend probably a lesser known uh, Kurt Russell vehicle from the 1990s. The movie I'm going to recommend is Breakdown. Oh, I was going to say Stargate, but <laughs> you know what? I would have recommended Stargate because that's an awesome movie. But instead, I'm going to recommend <laughs> the probably slightly lesser known Breakdown. This movie was released in 1997. It was directed by a dude named Jonathan Mostow. It's basically, it's basically, it's. I want to say it's kind of like Taken, but it isn't really like Taken. Kind it's, of like Taken, but it isn't it's, really Taken. It's it's a neo exploitation thriller where uh, Kurt Russell and his wife, who are both yuppies, who are driving co- cross country in a brand new uh, Jeep Cherokee, and they get uh, accosted by. Like uh, evil hicks, including one played by the great J.T. Walsh, who was this great character actor who had uh, recently passed away, and they run afoul of these uh, these uh, these rednecks, and they kidnap Kurt Russell's wife, and left helpless, stranded, and uh, feeling that he has been gaslit, he tries to find his wife, and there's lots of weird, like weird, cool automobile shit that happens in this movie too. You got uh, there's uh, chases, there's Kurt Russell hiding under cars and over cars, and it's <laughs> I know it's a great it's a great thriller. It's a great little thriller. And taken four wheel drive. It's yeah. It's I said like Taken because like a, like a one guy manhunt for someone who's missing. But there's it's it's him versus like three guys on a in the in like the flyover states. It's not like Taken. I only say Taken because it's easy. <laughs> And because I could make the joke taken four-wheel drive. Because yeah. there's no taken four yet. Not yet. I know. <laughs> so yeah, breakdown. Uh, track it down. It's really good. Yeah, I feel like I should like give a like the gist of what Death Proof is about now, since you gave such a... I like how we both pick car-themed movies. Yeah, I guess that's just sort of Kurt Russell. Yeah. Uh, Kurt Russell does a lot of things. We also picked a Kurt Russell recommendation last week. Yeah, that's Big Trouble in Little China where he plays a trucker. We're so. on a roll. Like, go. <laughs> I hope we continue this theme of, like, Kurt constantly picking Kurt Russell movies to recommend. What are we getting to next time we do this, Juan? This is your pick. It's your week. Oh, my God. It is my pick. It's my week. I, I have a very specific movie that I'd like to pick. Good. It stars one of my all-time favorite actresses in this universe who became a favorite of mine with this movie because I think it is her, oh, I don't want to call it her greatest performance ever, but it's her most chameleon-like performance, which like essentially solidified her as a new Meryl Streep to me. It's a bold um, claim. Yes, yes, I know. It is a bold claim. But um, it's also named after a fantastic Dolly Parton song. 
It's oh, Jolene, 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 Jolene. It's awesome. I'm super <laughs> excited to rewatch it. I'm super excited to make Derek watch it. I actually think he's going to like this one. After... I have not seen this. I only know this movie because I know Juan likes it. Um, if you'd like to find us elsewhere, you can feel free to find us at dimthehouselights.com for all of our long-form film criticism. Yeah, that's basically our home away from home on the internet. <laughs> yes, it is. And we also have three other beautiful writers currently working for us right now, which are Chris Mello, Michelle Arf, and Ross Burke. And you can find us on Twitter, myself at woahitswanito, W-O-A-H, it's Juanito. And you can find me at Derek underscore G. You can find me at the same place on Letterboxd. And you can find Juan on Letterboxd at Whoa, It's Juanito as well. Uh, if you're interested in hearing more of this podcast, you can subscribe to us on iTunes. If you do, please leave us a review, a rating. Uh, tell us we suck. Tell us we're awesome, but tell us something. You can also check out our podcast Tumblr page. You can find us at S-I-T-M-W-Y podcast altogether. Dot tumblr.com there you can find links to our twitters our letterboxes a link to our show page on itunes and our rss feed i think that's everything eh yeah and without further ado goodbye and see you in two weeks